special double-length episode, I sit down with trainer, martial artist, and actor Don Nyam, known to millions all over the world as the infamous villain Stingray from the 1994 cult classic Undefeatable. Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and we're about to find out what makes Don Nyam truly undefeatable. Anna, I have a surprise for you. So my special guest tonight on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast is Don Nyam. Don Nyam is a martial artist, a longtime student of the Hung Foot style of Kung Fu. He's an actor known for his role as the infamous Stingray in the Cynthia Rothrock movie Undefeatable, directed by Godfrey Ho. And he's also a physical trainer currently based in Las Vegas where he whips guys like me into the best shape of their lives. Don, thank you so much for taking the time out to sit and chat with the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. So, Don, uh, obviously I'm a Kung Fu fan, and when I started the podcast, uh, I did a lot of research around the web for various Kung Fu fight scenes, and like many people, I stumbled across a clip from your movie, Undefeatable, which is absolutely bananas in all the best ways. Uh, now, even though the film was released back in 1994, it took on a whole new life with the advent of YouTube, where it became a beyond viral hit. That pretty much turned into a uh, cult classic. Do you still get fans who recognize you from that clip and want to bask in the aura of Stingray? Yeah, uh, more than ever. And uh, it baffles me, but it kind of baffles me because I grew up in an era where you didn't have the Internet. And uh, I've kind of like dissected why it's become more popular. And I guess there's just a, you know, the era of people early 20s through your age uh they seek out these movies and they like them uh you know when i was younger you didn't have that option so it was kind of hard for me to relate to where all these people are coming from and recently within the past six months it's it's become a lot more you know through facebook and i'll get people that message me from other countries that uh your movie just played and you're an instant here in england or right. uh romania or whatever so from there a friend of mine asked me where you can get the movie and i said just go buy it on amazon and then he came back and he said that movie's selling for $135. <laughs> so that kind of sparked my interest even more. And looking at, you know, acting is really, really tough. And uh, to, to answer a question you're probably going to ask, I get people ask me all the time, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you do right. more? Yep, definitely. It, it's it's just not the kind of business that you go out and apply sure. and get the gig. And really it's a... Uh, as a guy 
that I used to work out with and met in the gym in Beverly Hills, Sonny Landov. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, I know of the Billy. name. I don't remember where where I know the name from, but yeah. He was probably one of the best villains ever. He was the uh, 48 Hours, the Indian. Ah, oh, okay. Yes, yes. Uh, he said the acting business is about cutting up money among your friends. Right, right. Uh, which kind of means that if you have friends in a, in the film business and they kind of waltz you in, it's just a lot easier to get in. Sure. And what I got that through uh, uh, my my kung fu instructor, Grandmaster Taiyim, had uh, decided to do a film, and he brought Godfrey Ho over. Godfrey had looked for a lot of people for that role. And uh, I went to Maryland. I was living in L.A. at the time. And Godfrey ended up picking me. And he liked my eyes. And he says, right. no, don't cut your hair, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, that's how I ended up in that. And the idea was to do a series because that's how you develop the base was through about five films. Right. And, you know, Cynthia had a big name. They brought her in and they brought Robin Shu in who was in Mortal Kombat. Yep. He had not d done Mortal Kombat yet, but Robin and I lived together for like three months during the shoot. Uh, we really never shot any scenes together. Right. right. But uh, we became friends, and he, and along with Cynthia, helped sell the, uh, the Asian market. Awesome. So that's kind of how that went. And then apparently a disagreement between my kung fu instructor and Godfrey Ho. No more films were done. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah, with them. Or, you know, I probably would have had a reasonable career in that business because it takes a while to develop your name and, sure. and be saleable in all the markets so that people look at you and say, yeah, we'll buy that film. Right. And that's kind of how that goes. But I'll let you ask me some questions. No, no, no that's fine. That, that, those, that's, that's all great stuff. Um, just speaking of Godfrey Ho, though, um, he's somewhat infamous in the Kung Fu cinema world where he's sometimes referred to as the Ed Wood of Kung Fu film. Um, it's not the most flattering of comparisons, but the guy was prolific and he made films for decades. Um, what was it like to work with him on Undefeatable? You know, that was kind of my first movie in that role. You know, I did stuff. I was in a, a Don Wilson film. So I kind of walked into that as more of a co-star and really had not worked with anybody prior to that okay. to where I had that good of an understanding of how directors operate. Right. Uh, I just very bluntly, I didn't agree with a lot of it. Some of it was just, okay, no, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I went through this in another interview with somebody, but just to give you an example, you know, I know my abilities and what I can do. Right. And we were doing a scene with that glass, that bottle that uh, yes. come across. Well, you know, Godfrey only bought two of them. So, <laughs> you, you know, low-budget movies, you really choreograph yep. 10, 12 movements. Right. You have one camera, and you, you run through those movements once, maybe twice, and then you have to shoot it. It's not like these big budget films right. where they have six seven cameras and three weeks to shoot 30 right. seconds of fight scenes right so i don't even remember the exact part of it but godfrey kept saying go faster and and cynthia was in front of me and she was going to duck and i said i just knew i could not go faster or i would hit her right and i said i can't because i'm going to hit her and you know he's Adam, and he, you're not going to hit her. Just do it. I said, no, I know I'm going to hit her. <laughs> well, he said, well, <laughs> well, he says, 
you can't hit me. And I said, okay, so go ahead. You stand there. And he stood there and I hit him <laughs> and he didn't move out of the way anywhere near in time. And, uh, he just kind of looked, looked around like uh, a deer staring in the headlights and walked away. And then we continued on. Right. And there was another scene where I was whipping the girl, you know, with the chain <laughs> and out of the clear blue, he says, okay, now raper. Oh, and I, wow. I, I can't. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and he says, well, you have to do it. I says, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And I know what he did after that. I kind of realized it, even though I wasn't real privy to the film business. But he took my stunt double and he shot a scene with him just to see because Godfrey probably runs across this a lot where he has disagreements with the actors. Right. And then he says, I don't need you. <laughs> and, and he did that with a certain actor in there. And he says, I'll just have you kill him and there'll blood, be blood on the wall. And that'll be it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he was kind of known for cutting corners wherever he wherever he had to to get the film kind of out there. So, uh, you know, the comparison to Ed Wood might be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, he shot two films. And I guess, you know, like I say, I, I was pretty new to it. He shot a Chinese version which was actually kind of interesting. Somebody shot me a clip and it was done in Mandarin and not knowing Mandarin, it seemed okay. Right, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, you couldn't hear what, what I was really saying, you know, in English. So when it comes across in Mandarin, you don't know the language. Uh, it all sounds the same, right. but that is not quite, I guess, uh, par for the film industry to shoot two movies at once. And, I asked Robin, I said, how are we in the same movie? And we've never shot a scene. He says, well, all those, all those guys you're killing, those Asians, they're all my relatives, and I'm a cop, and I'm chasing you, and I'm right behind you. <laughs> interesting, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, according to some reports, there were instances where parts of other movies wound up, you know, uh, spliced into current movies that he was making so I, I can totally believe that that was the case i you mean for some other movies he did he yes. just kind of spliced yes. the, i see yeah i don't even know what his other movies were to tell you the truth um you guys that know this stuff follow it more than me so i'm i'm not even sure uh did he do those kind of movies where the turtles were flying in the air and <laughs> stuff like that not, not quite <laughs> like that but uh it, they were um they were often um very hastily put together kung fu movies and uh keen watchers would notice that some scenes were lifted directly out of other movies and just spliced in particularly when there were ninjas involved they would just kind of throw in repeated ninja uh scenes just to uh have a villain when there wasn't a villain that was readily apparent or available that particular day in shooting. So um, it, it must have been an experience. It sounds like you um, took some hard lessons there from uh, from the film world right away. Yeah, I did. And then, you know, I was in some other stuff, and uh, I was in something out here in Vegas called Breaking Vegas. I had just moved out here, and uh, I was actually managing a strip club. When I moved to L.A., I ended up working in a strip club and managing one and they allowed me to go on auditions and do stuff like that. Sure. And then when I moved back, my Kung Fu school had flooded really bad. Oh, and, uh, I, it was just a fluke that I moved out here and I didn't really want to do that, but it was a financial thing and an easy way to get out here. Yeah. And I probably worked there four months and then, um, 
Atlas Media walked in and said, we're shooting uh, Breaking Vegas, which was a big documentary. And, you know, about they wanted to use the club. And I said, well, this is a 24 hour club, so you really can't use it. But I'm an actor. Do you need any actors? <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, you really struggle in L.A. Right. And then this this guy walks in and he says, yeah, do you have a resume in that? And I said, yeah. So he came back in the club the next night. In L.A., that would never happen. Sure. I mean, you pound on their door all day long and nobody would say hello. And he came back and he grabbed my resume and headshot. And then I got a call from the producer from Atlas Media to come in to an audition. She called me Sunday night to come in for an audition Monday morning. And uh, they sent me the sides to read. And I went in and read for this part, uh, Frank Scabletti, who was a uh, professional dice thrower. And he was very famous, wrote a lot of books. And I felt like I did really well on it, even though I was usually always auditioning for villains. Right. And uh, they called me Wednesday and said, you got the part. And I thought, wow, I <laughs> stumbled around or L.A. all this time. And this thing just kind of fell in my lap. But they were super, super nice people, and it gave me a, a taste of a little bit different, you know, where I actually spent some screen time, because sure. I think I probably had 25 minutes of screen time in that. Right. Hey, Dominator, how many points in a row is that? Hey, fella, seems to me we're doing pretty well without your help. Let the man shoot. Sure he did, because he wanted you for the team. We start our own team. Do you have any idea how much money we could win together? You didn't do a lot of acting before Undefeatable, um, and then you did a couple of things after that. Are you looking to do more acting? Yeah, I am. Um, I left L.A. because I kind of looked around there, and, you know, everybody's an actor, and everybody's scrambling to be one, and there's that minute percentage that actually really makes it, because you're... You're either you either make it or you don't in that, and it, it's very few that are in between. Right. And uh, I just felt like it was a bit much. I didn't like auditioning for somebody that was 23 years old, and they were deciding the fate of my future. Sure. So I kind of gave it up, and I moved out here. Then recently, this sprung up about what undefeatable was selling for and the people that are, were contacting me and uh you know obviously that one uh youtube has almost 12 million right. hits so i think pretty much everybody's seen that video <laughs> and when i look at reviews i see a lot more reviews that are positive whereas when it first came out they were very negative and i'm going okay <laughs> How did everybody decide to change their mind about what they like about? Sure. And certain things I find, especially uh, from other countries like Latin America and stuff, people like the real fight scenes, right. mm -hmm. you know, where you're not. I, I To me, I notice a lot of the stuff is very, very animated looking now. Right. And um, I watched a fight scene from one movie. And they were filming it in really slow motion, which I didn't really know they did. I mean, uh, the only thing I think they filled in slow motion on mine was when the water spit out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine they do this with 
big budget actors, but we had to put like paper towels and water in our mouth and let the other person hit you with an open fist. And I just know they don't do that with uh, actors of today in these big budget films. And that was kind of part of the stuff, you know, you, and I didn't do a Hong Kong film because Hong Kong, they, those, those actors have to pretty much do all this. Yes, stuff. I mean, they're, you know, they're we, so skilled. They do everything themselves. Right. And also according to, uh, you know, Robin Shu, like he said, if you're not doing your own stunts, there, people, you're not going to get famous. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of a respect thing. But uh, anyways, I think the, you know, based on that, shooting that back in the early 90s, uh, my kung fu instructor choreographed a lot of it. You know, we didn't have the editing. So kind of what you saw was just it. Right. And and maybe, like I said, you, we would run several moves and choreograph them and you just didn't have time to practice so if you weren't really good at that you would screw up immediately and and there's just not a lot of room for error on that and people seem to like that as opposed i think they're getting so far away everybody you know gets on the bandwagon and the animation thing seems to work and like everything somebody will come along and and do it without all that right and and it'll be a, be more appreciated, and people may have to go back to that a little sure. bit. But that that kind of got me uh, going a bit. And I uh, through a, a friend of mine and a guy I train, uh, we're going to write something up, and uh, I'm going to try and you know use the uh, popularity of Stingray to develop something, whether it's going to be that. You know, uh, because people always ask me about a sequel, and I I don't have the rights right, to it. Right. But I I think uh, I could develop a character, and then if it's saleable, it's saleable. But I think you really have to do your own thing in that business because uh, I have a, a cousin there in LA, and he's acting, and he moved from New York, and he's he's doing everything you need to do, and he's getting parts and. But I just can't do that. I don't want to go back, and I don't want to. I don't want to audition. Nah, I don't blame I, you. I, I, I hear it's a cutthroat industry, but um, I think you definitely um, have some potential there with Stingray as a, a franchise type of character, uh, especially if you come at it the right way and develop something that uh, focuses on him and and uh, his adventures after Undefeatable or whatever. Um, but uh, stranger things have happened. I mean, they they make. They build franchises around the, the craziest things nowadays, so there's, there can't be uh, any good reason why Stingray couldn't have his own uh, following, especially since millions of people all over the world are familiar with, uh, with him from that YouTube clip. You looking for me, Lou? Hey, Stingray. I came to check on you, buddy. Uh, you didn't make it to the meeting with the boys from Philly. I told you I was busy. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, real busy. I mean, we can work this out, you know? We're all friends. You shouldn't have come here, Lou. Me and Anna were having a nice time till you showed up. What are you, crazy? She's dead. Yeah, so what I'm going to, you know, what we're going to try and do is, you know, I, I'm kind of bound to determine to make something out of it. Uh, I think you have to first have something written sure. well. And, and I, I don't want to be a copycat, you know, everybody, it's just, 
I think you really have to be outstanding. Right. You know, I think you have to really stand out to, to go somewhere in that business and have a crack at it. So uh, physically and everything, I want to come prepared and I want to put together uh, maybe even a short, maybe even a five minute short or something, 15 minute. But uh, we're going to put a treatment together. And I'm also uh, have come up with an idea for a uh, uh, almost like a mythical character mm. and it would have to do with Kung oh, Fu be great. and yeah, even possibly, <laughs> of course, I'm just throwing out stuff here. Something that the Avengers would add to their collection of characters and, and it has not been cool. done. And I've searched and looked and also there's a lot of stuff in Kung Fu that, people for traditional kung fu and and this doesn't come from because i trained in other kung fu and there's a lot of my, um, mystical things in right. kung fu that i think add to film that a lot of people haven't seen or yes. know mm -hmm. about and i have a little bit of a, a history on that and this character is going to have uh some of that actually a lot of that to to make it a very unique and powerful character so i want to build that character up and put it together and maybe actually just develop that character so it's saleable yep. and saleable for me sure <laughs> because you put a lot of work into this and i just don't want to develop it and do something so it'll be done right and copyrighted and and put together uh and you know you just never know i in that business, you know, it's it's like don't quit your day sure. job. But you know much. what? You, you, <laughs> you develop what you develop, and as long as you, you put in the effort and, and uh, you've got something good in that character, um, the Internet as we know it today offers many avenues for throwing that character out into the mainstream and seeing it get picked up and run wild. You know, the fans of comic books and uh, uh, entertainment and movies will create their own fan fiction but uh, it'll be out on YouTube and it'll gain a following and you know some studio will look at it and pick it up and then all of a sudden they've got something that they've built uh, just on a whim following you know something that they were passionate about so uh, yeah, again stranger things have happened yeah you're right boy the internet just opens up avenues that are unbelievable I, I googled my name on YouTube and I saw a whole series of films from I think it was an Indian company and they had Undefeatable on there <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm not sure how they're making money but somehow they are because they had their own brand and they had several films and it could have been just through monetization through the ads and stuff but uh, you know you know as well as I do as, as many clips are out right. there on that um and if somebody every once in a while I'll, I'll look at it films and i'll see fight scenes because everything is so hong kong influenced with the uh yep. choreography and i go that looks a little similar to what we did. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, usually things spring from sure. somewhere right and imitation is the sincerest form of flattery right so that's not a bad thing Sure. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking about that, the the fights that uh, were in undefeatable look dynamic and they're fast and they look hardcore and it looks like you guys 
are obviously very skilled. You, Cynthia Rothrock, I think John Miller, you, you worked with in this film, um, yeah. and you guys all brought a different style of fighting to the the fight choreography. Um, did you bring a lot of your your hung foot training to the fight scenes? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like I said, my uh, I, I asked a choreo to choreograph one fight scene, and it was the one with Cynthia and the guy with the pads yep. on. Um, just to do it but my uh my kung fu instructor choreographed a lot of it most of it and it was so long ago to be honest with you i can't remember but the stuntmen did too to a certain degree uh they they choreographed but it was yeah i mean there was a big uh hung foot influence in there and also in the uh fight scene in the yep. garage uh because i specifically remember my uh my kung fu instructor uh, choreographing a, a lot of that fight scene itself, but yeah, the hung foot influences in there and, uh, overall, it, you know, that type of fighting is called style okay. fighting where you're, where you're using traditional Kung Fu. Whereas when you see, you know, people are holding their hands up like boxers and this and that, that's just, uh, mostly kickboxing. And unless people have had, kickboxing from southeast asia uh like tony jot you know he's very cool he brings his own right. style of fighting and he's very athletic so he's kind of brought something unique right. also and uh he's kind of mixed kickboxing with traditional uh and it, it looks like kung yeah. fu i i but he's from thailand or his his base right. is from thailand but it doesn't mean you sure. can't train in any style no matter where you're at but uh anyways i think the style fighting done correctly if you understand kung fu and how the application of the movement works is very very interesting because when you teach kung fu the right way people understand how you do the movement and why you do it and go, that makes sense. And, and that's where the, that's where people believe in what they do. So when you teach, you have, you know, I always teach the application and every Kung Fu form, they, those movements have mm -hmm. application. You just have to know how to apply them. And then if you want to apply them, you have to really practice them that way with an opponent to apply them. Uh, and it takes a lot of practice, but the style fighting is not used in American films. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? It still kind of looks right. like kickboxing and, not, you know, and I think that style fighting brought with that, you know, all the cameras and the big budget could be outstanding. I mean, that was something I always wish I, you know, could do. And I, I've, kind of missed out on that but uh uh because like i said in that it was just one camera and a guy sure. walking around and uh we came out with that if we'd have had six cameras overheads and shoot after shoot take after take and time to you know throw out the bad stuff because with that i don't think they they really did because they got so many minutes in a yeah. film and if it didn't get done right let's just throw right. it in and, anyways uh, speaking of that style fighting that's what was uh, so appealing about those 70s kung fu films for us kung fu film fans you know because you got to see tiger style or crane style or you know monkey or drunken monk or whatever and that mysticism and sure. all of that um 
mythology behind the kung fu that's what drew us into that world and you know there were arguments on the streets about what was better tiger or crane or monkey or mantis or whatever and you know we didn't know kung fu it was all what we saw on screen so when i see movies now and i see people bring their styles to the fights that's what interests me um about the whole experience because for example, your Hung Foot. I had never heard of this uh, prior to doing research on the uh, the movie and on you for um, for uh, for Undefeatable. Um, you studied mm -hmm. it for years, but apparently you didn't just study it from anyone. Uh, you studied it from the guy who brought it to the USA, right? Yes, uh, his name is Grandmaster Tai Yim. He's based in Maryland. And it's kind of a long story how I met him, but... Uh, I had a school in Akron, a guy who worked for, uh, uh, he worked for the government. All the tire manufacturers were in my hometown, Akron. And uh, this guy worked for, uh, in the security area of the government. He was there, worked for Goodyear, and he just happened to call my school. And he says, can I come in and watch a class? I got a school in Maryland. I said, yeah, we talked, blah, blah, blah. And uh, my former instructor had passed away. And he said, you really, you really got to meet Ty Yim. You've never seen anything like him. It kind of sparked my interest. And uh, long story short, I called him. I went there. I was in another guy's school. He had me come down to meet him uh, and students. They, they did like a monthly fighting forms exhibition just to get together of Kung Fu right. schools. And uh, when he came in, I knew exactly who he was because he looked like he came straight out no of the really. film. Uh, yeah, he really did. He was uh, he was very unique, ripped, long hair, and uh, I just knew who he was. And he was just a super nice guy. And uh, he explained the thing about him that I really liked was he was very smart how he presented himself and his style. And it was kind of like you'll see he didn't say it but you just knew without him saying and bragging it was all there and when i saw the demonstrations of the style and the fighting and everything i knew that was it according to wikipedia hung foot is a, a hybrid system that blends hungar fist and foot kung fu and one of the aspects that I found fascinating Foot about guard. it was that apparently all the movements supposedly start from the left side. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. It's called the left-handed system. Are you um, left-handed? I am, but it has a left-handed form because generally people right. are right-handed. So that left-handed form builds up their stronger side or their weaker side. But it's to put it really simple you you're testing and and testing the waters blocking everything with the left and then using the right more oh, okay. for power but in that system and this is just kind of what i believe just from a physical standpoint everything gets trained in your body left right everything yes yes you know what i mean so your body sure. is more balanced because you know, you, you can't be just used to one side. You have to be able to adapt to both sides. And I kind of follow that principle in everything in, in physical training. When I train people, uh, because I've trained athletes and everything, 
I use a lot of independent mm -hmm. weight system because when you use a lot of machines that are not independent, people always will favor right, 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 their right. stronger side. So independent training just builds your body so that your weaker part is is stronger and then of course if you're in athletics you're going to have less injury due to that but hung foot without going into loads of detail you know it combines hungar and footgar and if you've seen hungar the old movies yes. about wong fei hung you'll see the, the the iron steel rings and you'll see the yep. breathing techniques and the tension exercises and that is all in hung foot and then it so you have what's kind of like a hard external it builds tissue and, and, and power, muscle tissue and power. And then you have the fast, soft uh, foot guard, which oh, is okay. internal. And then the internal blocking, striking, your body is more relaxed. So it combines those two so you're not just hard right. on everything. Uh, some moves are, are look more hard and more aggressive because it's a very aggressive-looking style. You know, uh, when I lived in L.A., I used to practice in the club I trained at. It was a Beverly Hills Health Club. And guys that took karate and that go, man, that doesn't look like any <laughs> kung fu I've seen. And I said, well, it's an aggressive style, but a lot of people had a, a misinterpretation of kung fu due to the fact, and, and uh, I hate to sound like a, I'm talking like an expert on this, but I think a lot of the uh, Chinese martial artists in the beginning did not teach their style okay. traditionally because they just did not want uh, Americans or Westerns to learn right. the real Kung Fu. So they taught a lot of mixmash and bogus Kung Fu, and they didn't teach a hungar or a choile foot or a hung foot they just taught movements here and movements there and some of it didn't make sense or they just taught flowering movements and not the application so kung fu kind of got a bad rap yeah. way way back and i think that is gone now i, I right. think that's gone now, now. there's um there's also a weapons element in the discipline. Have you studied that part as well? Yes, I have. The, uh, I haven't studied all of the hung foot weapons, but some of them. And uh, weapons are, are difficult training, but they're basically an extension right. of your hand. So in, in hung foot, you have a, a series of tests you have to take and do, like, you know, very hard with kung fu, just the very basic first test is a five minute horse stance which is yeah. a wide stance if you're familiar yep. with and it's thighs parallel to the floor with a staff yeah that sounds across painful. your legs it well in, in in traditional western exercise that would be considered yep. static exercise training uh what most trainers do they have no idea about kung fu training but a lot of the Western uh, newer training methods, they try and mimic the lateral lunge from some of the right. movements yep. in martial arts. Um, also, they do what's called a wall sit, which is really easy. I mean, I, I don't have anybody do that kind of stuff because to me, it's just, it's kind of a copycat okay. of martial arts training. So 
I actually have them do horror. All right. So yeah. what level of mastery and then like have that. you attained in the Hong Fut system? Well, I, I attained what would be considered a uh, okay. instructor level. And, and I did that through long distance. Um, when I moved to L.A., I was not able to, to go back and train like I used to. Because when I lived in Ohio, I, uh, right. I used to go there every month. And, and I think that dedication was what developed a pretty good bond between myself and my instructor. And he knew I wanted to get into film. Quick interruption here, guys. For the last 10 minutes of this interview, for some reason, Google Hangouts broke down and introduced a lot of feedback to the audio. There are a lot of pops and clicks, even though you can still hear Don talk. So I apologize for that in advance and hope you continue to enjoy the interview. And with that, on with the rest of Don Nyam. And that's kind of how that progressed. Um, I was actually supposed to do Honor and Glory which was the first one they did with um, Godfrey Hill. Yep. Well, I had just moved to L.A. because I had been waiting and waiting, and, you know, nothing was happening. And I ended up uh, working in a health club in Beverly Hills called the Beverly Hills Health Club. And it was kind of a posh little club. And I just attained some pretty high-level clients like the head of development for Caracol Pictures. New Line Cinema was right above us. And I signed up all these clients for training, and I said, boy, I just can't leave now. You know, like, I took these people money, I signed them up, and I'm trying to be able to live here. Because that's the tough part in L.A. is a lot of people go there and think right. their job is acting. <laughs> and and three sure. months later, sure. they're broke and they leave. And uh, so I did, and then he said, well, we'll be doing another one. So... When the next one came along, uh, Undefeatable, that's uh, when I went and, and did it. I had 13 years prior training with my other instructor in Kung Fu. And uh, so I was in Hung Fut two years. And my instructor and a group of uh, top Kung Fu teachers around the country developed a uh, sanctioning body, which was the first one. It was at the time it was called, uh, I can only remember the okay. letters, NACMAF. And it was basically the first uh, sanctioned Kung Fu tournament because back then there weren't really, right. they weren't mm -hmm. organized like, you know, karate, taekwondo. So they organized this and it was really, really big. It was held in Maryland. Uh, there were competitors from all over the world there. And, um, I competed in the Southern style because Hung Fut was Southern in the Southern uh, forms. And all the finalists among all the people, all the countries everywhere were all five finalists in Southern style were from Taiyim Kung Fu school and, and me. Uh, so <laughs> all the five finalists were Hung Fut students. And uh, I ended up miss losing first place and i took second by like one tenth of a point to one of my instructors students okay. who was excellent and i knew when it came to that you know your body's fairly taxed anyways because when you when you perform like that and this was because we didn't have kung fu tournaments we didn't have anything in ohio i mean i sure. sat in a little town and really didn't know much about anything outside there until I, I hooked up with him. And uh, nobody ever saw me. And most of those people had trained for years and years. And I had only trained in Hung Fut for two years. So 
it kind of was, it was a very big uh, boost for me because I ended up form wise competing in a style that I had only trained two years and people had trained 10, 11, 12 years in. And I took second place and that was a really big Kung Fu tournament just based on the fact that it was the first and literally there were competitors from all over the world there, all other countries. And it, it was pretty cool. Um, and there were more tournaments after that, but I always thought from what I saw, that was as big of a tournament just because it was the first awesome. sanctioned one. And there were people from Texas that had schools and, uh, it was pretty cool. That's but anyways, cool. that was so that. you've um you you went on to uh, teach kung fu. You're also a personal trainer now. Um, without confirming or denying directly, have you ever had to use your kung fu in a street fight? Oh yeah. Well, I ran bars for a long time, and uh, I worked in bars in Akron. My uncle had a bar. I actually worked the door there when I was way underage. I think oh, I was wow. only like sixteen, <laughs> and. Uh, when I, when I moved to L.A., like I said, um, I mean, I did a lot, you know, in Akron, because when I we went out, we went to bars, and, and that's sure, kind of like sure. the type of town where it's not too, not too hard to get into fights. And then uh, when I was 23, I ran probably the biggest discotheque in Ohio. It was owned by a big record company okay. called Camelot Music. And uh, Saturday Night Fever was out. This was a really well-funded company. I mean, years later, they sold their company for $450 million. They, they had record retail outlets um, all over the country. And they had opened this discotheque. And I ended up running it. And it was in yep, Canton, yep. Ohio. <laughs> and, and just to give you an example, people would drive by and shoot out the sign <laughs> in the back windows. And... Uh, uh, we had fights regularly to a point to where I went to the prosecutor's office after a big fight and found that he had a file on me, um, and wasn't interested in helping me and, and said, uh, I assume you think because you got down here before the other party that oh, that's funny. you're in the right. And he said, <laughs> I got a file on you. And, and really it was kind of made me mad because that I've got a file on you and your thugs down there beating people up. And I said, okay, well, if that's the way you feel, I'm leaving. And uh, I called the uh, vice president of the company and I said, um, I don't think they like us down there too much. The gist of that was we went back for a meeting. The prosecutor apologized to me in front of the other party and said, I should have never spoke to you that way. And this case is dismissed. Oh, nice. And that was that. Uh, From there, you know, like I said, um, when I moved to L.A., the strip club I ran, which was actually a world-famous strip club, and they were actually pretty good people, man. Uh, It's called the Jet Strip. It was very close to Crenshaw, and there was literally a drive-by in front of the club one night, and five people were killed right in front of the club. That's the kind of area it was, and that's the kind of stuff I ran across. So um, from there and on and on and on, and I ended up, when the economy got kind of bad, working as a host, 
in a, uh, a club out here for almost five years till I couldn't take it anymore. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I've gotten in a lot of altercations <laughs> and, uh, this is my philosophy and, and self-defense and, and using anything, you know, is it doesn't really matter how good you look or how great your technique looks. The end result is that you, yeah, uh, you hopefully know. win. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if people say, well, it didn't quite look yeah. like that form. I, you know, if I fight I ugly really and walk away, uh, at least I'm walking away. <laughs> That's right. If I had to go to court, I'd rather yeah, not be the guy in a full um, body. Okay, cast. so I only have one more question, and then I want to make sure that uh, uh, that I get your uh, your information and, and plugs out there to everybody. But having been uh, a martial artist and an actor and a personal trainer, having been involved in so many industries, what would be your dream project at this moment? To uh, to put a project together that I have in in my head that I'm working on and put it out there with quality. And see, people see the stingray, but yeah. see the ability, you know, you know, after years of knowing what, and, and I was pretty much had to do sure. what I did on that. And, uh, when I did the breaking Vegas, I got a lot of good, uh, compliments off of that. And it was obviously not anywhere near that type of character, but, I, I'm pretty creative in, in a lot of my ideas and things that I like to do, and I think I can come up with a lot of them. And, and my ideas that I'm coming up with now are pretty original, and I'd like to be able to take that and put that in a reasonably budget film to where we could do fight scenes yep. uh, with, you know, without, without looking sure. animated and cartoonish, and you can actually see where the you know like it seems even hard for me on a lot of this stuff to see where are they supposed to be connecting or what's supposed to be it and a lot of fight scene you know is the person reacting and, and a lot of people don't don't realize the stuntmen the work they do and it's not the strike it's the reaction to the strike that actually makes makes part of what that uh, uh, right. scene look good if you if you understand what I'm saying on that but that would be my dream once you do once you get into acting business a little bit and you get a little taste of it it's it's a sure, real no, tough I'm, I'm sure it to is. get rid of now so if anyone wants to contact you for training yeah. or kung fu or acting opportunities where can people find you well, um, I put my site together for the acting thing that I want to develop, and it's just my name, donnyam.com. Uh, I have several sites. My training site, which encompasses a lot, is Iron Trainer. That's a brand that I put together. It's I-R-O-N-T-R-A-I-N-E-R dot C-O. And the other one is just my name, donnyam.com. Um, I absolutely wish you the best of luck in the future, and I will be following you on Twitter and Instagram. I know you have presences there, so I will make sure those links are available for everybody to find you. And uh, I'll be interested to see where things go for you and for Stingray. All right, man. Thank you. Awesome. And I'll keep Thank you, you so uh, much. informed. Thanks best a lot. Sure. Bye-bye.
My sincere thanks to Don Nyan for taking the time out to sit with me and chat about everything that he's been up to. If you want to keep up with everything Stingray, pay him a visit at donnyam.com and let him know you heard him here on the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. In the meantime, if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving me a rating or review on iTunes. It really helps us indie podcasters out. Speaking of which, Poison Clan, there's an indie project that I want you guys to check out and help out if you can. It's Black Kung Fu Chick, which is a modern-day kung fu western inspired by the martial arts movies of the 70s and 80s, set in South L.A. about a young girl who learned Kung Fu from her pre-med teacher to save lives and protect her community. You can follow her at Black Kung Fu Chick on Twitter. They have a few more days to raise the funding that they need to get this project up and going, so head on over to SeedAndSpark.com and look for Black Kung Fu Chick, and let's see if we can help one of our own Kung Fu fans get this dream project up and running. For other awesome podcasts, head on over to Twitter and check out the Potter and Family hashtag. And speaking of Twitter, come follow me at Kung Fu Drive-In. Same on Instagram. Check out the Facebook page, Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast, or leave me an email at KungFuDriveIn at gmail.com. That's going to do it for today, Poison Clan. Tune in next week for more Kung Fu action, and until next time, peace. We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action, drink a little wine and get a drunk and then we're fighting, ha! This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws. We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action, drink a little wine and get a drunk and then we're fighting, ha! This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws. I see the iron fisted bunker from the Daily Press, Shaolin monks on their hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Carnals and King Uzans, with the fearless idea they're rolling over the land. Yeah, the little this soldier is older than wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, Got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars then pass here the pass Not the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, David D is coming back The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster Bitch had a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie Chung is finer Golden Swallow as a rhyme Chan Chi movies Will the hero We survive We've got the brave archer Make his way to the top Of the mountain Gonna fight May as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying To kill them all So stand back You place the black magic On the soul of the sword And our sword Will travel until His body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shaolin And Mantis style Yeah defeat the enemy And watch him run for miles Blood will spill Now on the mountain tops When we bring back The soul of the legendary pops What was it Tea house, belly for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, belly for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun Assassin's like some blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the ball stop Wanna kill Bill? Better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow But she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter Against the wall No fear at all To kill them all There's always blood spilled When you head into a war Fearless Unleashed The fist of legend That's the car Jet Lee I'm Bolo Young Yo I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx Yo I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple See the facts are these There's only ever gonna be One Bruce Lee Walk into the tea house Spending for some action, drinking it.